to My Great Australian Dream, a podcast about studying, living, working and migrating to Australia. I am your host, Tracy Chen, and I'm an immigration lawyer based in Australia. Today, we're going to talk about the top three reasons why Australian visas can be rejected. So first of all, there are many reasons that your visa can be rejected, and this applies to a variety of different visas. I'll explain the top three and then I'll also explain what visas it's more likely to occur for. Now, if your visa does actually get refused, depending on where you are, if you're in Australia, you probably can appeal the visa, meaning that you do have appeal rights. If you are offshore, depending on the visa subclass, however, most of them wouldn't be available to be appealed. So essentially you would have to relodge the visa. And people ask me, you know, if I've got a visa refusal, can, can I do another one? Well, yeah, of course. Of course, they're gonna also assess it against a previous refusal, but most definitely they'll take into consideration the new circumstances and information provided to them. So reason number one, incomplete or incorrect information on the application form. So when you fill in any visa in Australia, you have to fill in quite a bit of information. Depending on the type of visa it is, it actually gets quite complicated and they ask for all sorts of information spanning back to 10 years. You know, they ask for addresses, places you've traveled. I can't even remember like my address from two years ago, let alone 10 years ago. However, it's very important that you do fill it in because once you've filled in the application and you tick yes to all the questions at the end, you're actually agreeing that you have actually provided all the incorrect information to the department. You've basically attested to it when you're you know, ticking everything and acknowledging it. And sometimes these things can come undone. So for example, if you have written on there all your past addresses and your partner has also filled in the application form, and at some point these addresses or something doesn't add up, that to the department could be an incorrect or incomplete application. And you could get refused for that. So it's really important that you fill in all the correct information to the best of your knowledge. Now, I do think that they do understand if you can't provide all the information because you can't remember. If that's the case, don't be afraid to you know, upload a statement just saying that, that you can't remember, you know, your address from, you know, nine years ago or something like that. Just at least declaring something is better than not declaring because it could come across to them that you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Like you didn't want to tell them about it. The other thing is that this could come across as incorrect, false, misleading information. So I had a client who filled in application form a couple of years ago now. It was actually for a business visa. So it was a little bit different. And when they filled in the forms, there was something about, you know, have you actually committed any offenses? And the client actually ticked no. And at the time, she didn't know. Then what happened is they went to do their police checks, which is a part of many Australian visas you need to provide your police check. And in that police check, her criminal record actually showed offense from a very long time ago, something like 1997. And this may have occurred in, you know, uh, 2015 or 2016. So it was something that was like, you know, almost 20 years ago. And she provided that information to the department and the department came back and asked her to explain the situation. They weren't too satisfied with her explanation. So they actually came back and gave her a refusal. Now in this circumstance, I do think it's actually a little bit unfair because I think in this case, she, she genuinely forgot like I honestly, it was 20 years ago. I can't even remember what I did two days ago sometimes. You know, when you're busy, life goes on. You know, she had four children during that time. I don't think it was completely fair. However, 
her and her entire family got a visa refusal because in terms of character, if one fails, all fails kind of thing. And I'll do another separate video on that one day. Again, I don't agree with that decision. I believe that if she explained herself well, it should have been accepted, but it was refused. Now, she came to me a couple years later and we actually relodged the whole application again. And that in the application, we provided everything and we wrote from the beginning, we ticked yes, we've been convicted and all of this stuff and explained it, provided statements. It was a long time ago. It was a very minor offense as well. And later on, the application was actually approved. So it just goes to show how important it is to actually declare everything correctly. Because for example, what it looks like to the department is that you tried to hide that information. You tried to provide misleading information or false information. So that's just an example of how incorrect or incomplete application can go completely wrong. Now this also applies to the documents that you actually upload. So for example, if you forget to upload a document, most of the time they will you know, give you time, they'll remind you and all of that, but there was a period where they just weren't putting up with that. And if they didn't have the documents uploaded at the time, they would refuse it. There is some things that they do allow. So for example, you know, police checks and stuff like that, they understand that does take time. But again, it depends on the type of visa. But for example, if you had to provide a police certificate, and the department asked you once and reminded you, sent you the request and you didn't upload it, the second time around, you could just get a refusal if you don't respond or provide something within the 28 days or usually the time that they give you. So really important. So I can't stress enough how important it is to have everything that is at least required at the time of application. We as lawyers and agents, we do understand what the department will allow and not allow. Generally speaking, as I said, if the police clearance and things like that is not actually something that's statutorily required at the time, then you should be okay. But generally speaking, we do like to have everything at the time of application because visa applications are supposed to be decision ready. We would only lodge it with one or two pieces of missing information if it was completely outside of our control and you know the client's visa was expiring. But again, within the means and you know what is actually possible, if it's something that is actually required at the time, you wouldn't be lodging it without the information. The second most common reason would be the failure to demonstrate that you're actually a genuine temporary entrant. Now, this is actually a requirement across a lot of visas, so I thought I would definitely put it in as a top three reasons, because when I look at tourist visa refusals, when I look at student visa refusals, it's definitely one of the major reasons why it would get refused. So first of all, what does a genuine temporary entrant mean? A genuine temporary entrant means that you are actually genuinely coming to Australia temporarily on the visa that you're applying for. And when that visa expires or when it's about to expire, you will head back home. Now that is a requirement across a lot of visas. So just to name a few, tourist visa, student visa, temporary work visa, the subclass 482 under the short-term stream. And to be honest, they're actually quite strict on this because you know they've had a lot of issues in the past. So what you actually need to do is provide the evidence in support that you are a genuine temporary entrant. So sometimes people get refused because they just don't provide enough information. So let's say for example, a tourist visa, one of the requirements is to demonstrate that you have a reason to return home because a lot of people travel to Australia and then they never go back. And you know, that happens because a lot of people want to live in Australia. So you would need to attach evidence and documentation to support this. So for example, one of my aunties from China wanted to travel to Australia for a holiday. Now my auntie is actually quite as well established in China. 
She has properties, she has a job, her children are in China, her husband is in China, she has everything there. So um, on top of filling out her application correctly, I would provide the evidence. For example, I would provide her certificate of title for her assets, for her property. I get all that translated and attach that to the application. I'll also get a copy of her bank statement showing her funds because if she has you know, quite good money in China, why would she want to stay here? She'd want to go back to all her assets and money there in, in China. Sometimes you can even attach uh, evidence of ownership of the car, her marriage certificate, birth certificate of her children to show that she would definitely go back to her family in China. And for example, her employment contract, her, the bank statement showing her regular salary payments. All of that is just super important. If she has a stable job in China that does pay well, they can see over the last six months that she's been consistently receiving salary in her bank. That's also very good evidence. So that's an example of how you can explain that you're a genuine temporary entrant. If she has submitted an application and she didn't provide any of that documentation and maybe she just provided her marriage certificate and birth certificate of her children, it's just not enough information. So therefore, she hasn't demonstrated that she's a genuine temporary entrant. It happens all the time. Again, the key thing they look for is just that you've got assets at home, you've got a job, you've got a reason to return. The same goes for student visas. So the whole point of a student visa is that you come to Australia to study and then you go back home. That, that is the whole point of an Australian student visa. We all know that, you know, some people come to Australia, they love it here, then they end up changing their minds and we look for, you know, permanent visa pathways. But at the time you are, you know, making a visa application to come study in Australia, the case officer wants to see that you are here to study temporarily. That's it. So it's really important to demonstrate your strong ties back home. That comes in the form of a statement. So it's really important what you do, you know, write in there. I've seen some refusals come through where they said that the information that they wrote on the statement doesn't actually align with what's really happening in real life to them when they look at other supporting evidence. So it's just really important. Um, with genuine temporary entrance statements for student visas, I would definitely be getting someone to help you with that because it's definitely very clear what the case officers are actually looking for there. And the last one is failure to meet the health requirement. So in Australia, for all Australian visas, it's very important that you meet the health criteria. So basically in short, you do need to be healthy. Depending on the type of visa that it is, so temporary visas, it's a little bit easier, you know, if you do have some health issues, you know, it should be okay. However, for the more permanent ones or, you know, uh, some other temporary work visas, the health criteria is super important because what they look at there is obviously the financial strain and burden on the Australian healthcare system in the future. So I actually had a client who was applying for a business visa and we did the visa actually, you know, a couple of years ago. And at the time, I think we applied, he was all fine. He didn't say anything to me. And then I lodged the visa and it kind of just went in the system and it was just years later, a couple of years later, that's how long processing times are. A couple of years later, you know, they were at the end of the application. They were at the end of processing the application and they asked him to go do new health checks because health is something that you need to do every 12 months. So if you did it like 14 months ago, you need to redo it. And then he calls me up and he was like, oh, um, he said something and I couldn't understand him at the time and I couldn't figure out what it was. And he's just like, oh, you know, I, I have, I had a, thyroid cancer, you know, last year. And I was like, oh, whoops, he didn't tell me this. Well, we didn't talk on a daily basis and I'm sure he was going through a difficult time and he didn't, you know, call me to update me. I'm the last person he wants to talk to. He was handling enough back home. 
And I thought, oh, okay, um, he's got thyroid cancer, and he said, oh, I had declared it to the health officers. I'm like, okay, great. So then the healthcare, of, the health officers, you know, um, and it depends on the type of visa. So there's things called health waivers and, and all of that. Anyway, the type of visa that he applied for, they did the assessment, and then I actually got contacted a few weeks later saying that they need a second opinion from his oncologist. And we got a second opinion from his oncologist and it actually looked all quite good. And so we provided a statement from his oncologist to the medical office, medical officers, we call them a mock, a medical officer of the Commonwealth. They accepted the letter from his oncologist because they probably determined that it wouldn't be a huge financial burden on the Australian healthcare system. But during the time, I think he was really stressed out. And he, he said to me, he's just like, why is this such a big issue? And I'm like, because of the Australian healthcare system, the burden. And he goes, I'm just taking a few pills, you know, I'll just bring it myself. I don't need to, you know, use Medicare for this. I have it myself, I have a lifetime supply. And I was like, it doesn't work like that because, you know, when you become a permanent resident or a citizen, you know, it's not like they can just deny you healthcare because you said so, everybody is fair game. So, you know, in the end, lucky it all worked out for him. That's an example where, you know, they do look into that. Other situations, I had uh, a situation where a client's um, daughter had autism. That was pretty tough. Generally, illnesses like that, you would get a visa refusal for. So it's really important. Now this comes into effect, yeah, you know, generally people who are applying for Australian visas are pretty healthy. So, you know, it's okay, most people, but there are circumstances when people do have health issues. And then obviously with people who are a little bit older, you know, parents, and all of that, they do look at that closely because you know, as you grow older, your health does deteriorate. But in saying that, it is the serious health problems. Any like anything that's minor, that's also in line with your age, you know, they, they can accept it. But do get advice on that. So if you know you have you know a serious health issue and you want to apply for an Australian visa, you know, get the proper advice prior to that. You know, just tell you know your lawyer, your agent that you're consulting the issue so that they can advise correctly. Because it may be something that would just be a flat out refusal. So that's something to consider. So that was your top three reasons why your Australian visa application can be refused. So I think it's really important for you to consider that. A lot of people most of the time are applying for, you know, temporary visas anyway. So what I explained in part two, the genuine temporary entrant is really important. And then part one and three that applies for most visas, you know, you have to attach everything at the time of lodgement and all of that. So it's something for you guys to keep in mind. Obviously, before you lodge any Australian visa, it's really important for you to get the correct advice. Now, go see your agent, go see your lawyer. It's just super important. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And just a gentle reminder that this is not to be used as legal or immigration advice. Please consult an Australian lawyer or a MARA registered agent before you make any visa applications to Australia. For all other migration updates, you can find me on Instagram or my TikTok account, which is just migration lawyer. And if you like this podcast, don't forget to share it with your family and friends. And if you want to get in contact with me my details are on my instagram bio